Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, they say that money is the root of all evil. Although that may not always be the case, it sure can mess up a good thing, especially in sports. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr., Okay, I feel good. I feel better. All right, let's go. NFL historians, lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you. And if you already know this stuff, that's great. All right, moving right along. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to enlighten, teach, and learn. Not everybody knows this stuff, okay? That's all I'm trying to say. This is the Behind the Mic podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Belly Up Sports. Billy Up Sports Podcast Network, bellyupsports.com is where you can catch us. Go to it, click on it, read the stories as well as listening to all the great shows that we have. Spreaker is our home base. You can hear all of our shows on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Okay, so the Miami Seahawks, y'all remember us talking about the AAFC uh, a couple months ago? Well, Miami Seahawks were the first professional franchise, professional football franchise in the state of Florida. I think they were the first professional franchise, period. It was an utter, utter failure. And it was ironic um, that it was, but it folded up after just one season. And its owner was not even able to pay their players at the end of the season. They were actually playing for free at one point. But... Ultimately, that franchise was transported to Baltimore. After that franchise failed, one season in the NFL in 1960, uh, excuse me, 1950, 1950. Um, This is after the AAFC went away. They played three years in Baltimore as the Baltimore Colts, and they wore, what, green and silver or something like that. uh, But they were one of three franchises that got to be uh, transported into the NFL, transplanted into the big leagues. And after one year, that was it. Well, Baltimore got a second chance in 1953. Weeb Eubank was hired in 1954 and turned that Colts team into a short dynasty by the end of the 1950s. Eubank was ceremoniously or non-ceremoniously fired in 1962 in favor of Don Shula, a former Baltimore Colt defensive back. Uh, as well as Brown's defensive back, who was actually recruited and drafted by the Browns because of Weeb Eubanks scouting. And, you know, he played with the Colts after a 15-player trade. Shula was cut right after the 56th season. And ultimately, he replaced Eubank as head coach in Baltimore in 1963. This, after Eubank was fired while on vacation by then-owner Carol Rosenblum. In seven years with Baltimore... Shoe, as some of his players called him, 
compiled a record of 71, 23, and 4. That's a winning percentage of 755, almost 75, 76% of his games he won. But zero titles in two tries. Eubank brought home two, 58 and 59. In 1966, though, the Miami Dolphins became the newest team in the AFL, yet another one of those professional football leagues that rose up and tra challenged the NFL. Of course, we know that the AFL was not going anywhere. Ten years uh, later, after they started in 1960, the NFL had to, they could not ignore them any longer. So by 1970, you had the merger. Well, the Miami Dolphins were one of those teams that were born in expansion at the time. Uh, this was in 1966, actually the first year of the Super Bowl, where uh, they were coached at the time by one George Wilson, who was a four-time champion with the Chicago Bears dynasty of the 1940s. We talked about those 40s Bears teams. Well, you remember a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the Detroit Lions. Well, Wilson was the head coach the last time Detroit won an NFL championship. That was back in 1957. Fast forward a couple of years to 1960, and of course, by then, Don Shula had been cut not only by the Baltimore Colts, by 57, that next year, 56, he was cut by the Colts. 57 was his last year playing professional football. He was playing with Washington and he got cut after that season and then he went into coaching. I believe it, it was a couple of years he was coaching some um, college ball or whatnot, but then eventually he was elevated back into professional football. He was the defensive backs coach for Detroit when they ended the late 50s Baltimore's Coast run in 1960. He was a part of that scheme. So seven years, you know, as far as Shula being the coach in Baltimore and having that great win percentage, never winning a championship, and that also included that embarrassing Super Bowl three loss to the New York Jets. Anyway, you slice it, Shula, he bolted from Baltimore to become head coach of the Miami Dolphins in 1970 george wilson was fired in 1969 after compiling a 15 39 and 2 record the dolphins were an nfl oh, excuse me afl worst 3 10 and 1 at the time who knew that the dolphins had hall of famers and great players on that squad already you just never know what you got now quiet is kept what i read you know wilson was not happy with being fired, especially after, uh, let's just say, the Dolphins' success heading into the 70s. You fired me before I could get it started. How many times have we seen that, though? I mean, it, even today. Nothing new under the sun, right? Well, you know, here we go. <laughs> so, Wilson had great talent, like Bob Greasy already was on the team, Larry Little, Mercury Morris, Larry Zonka, Jim Kick on offense, defensively. Bill Stanfield, who was actually the only first-round pick on that future no-name defense, and the only player on the defense to become a Pro Football Hall of Famer was Nick Bonacani. He was also on the team. By the time Shula arrived in, arrived in 1970, Hall of Fame receiver Paul Warfield had been acquired from, guess who, the Cleveland Browns. I mean, Paul Brown's finger, they're, they're all his fingerprints were always all over this team. Uh, a lot of teams, coaches and players isn't that crazy um then there was a quick turnaround with shula at the helm the 70s dolphins were 10 and 4 got into the playoffs but they lost in the first round to the oakland raiders 21 to 14 that wouldn't be the first time all right they just 
they, they were like a, a thorn in the Dolphins side. More on that later. 1971, though, they finally broke through. And very quickly, they were 10-3-1. They go to Super Bowl V and play against the Dallas Cowboys, who were that team that just were, they, they always got close and they could never win the big one. Well, not this time. The Dallas Cowboys, they defeated Miami 24-3. And it was embarrassing because they were the only team to never score a touchdown in the Super Bowl at the time. So, I mean, it's and that lasted for years. And that was just not great. Shula said, and this is, you have to remember that Shula lost championships already. So, and, and he was getting that reputation like, okay, almost like the Dallas Cowboys at the time, they got close, could never, but they could never win it all. The Dolphins and, well, really, frankly, it was Don Shula. You had a Hall of Fame-laden team and the all-pro-laden team with the Baltimore Colts, and you could never break through. You just couldn't win the big one. Well, 72, it was a complete turnaround. And the funny thing is, Don Shula did this with not a lot of Hall of Famers, uh, let's just say on the defensive side, yeah. Uh, he probably did more with less. Offensively, though, you could argue he had some guys. All right, so just, just know that he had Hall of Fame linemen, Larry Zonka. He had, uh, of course, Paul Warfield that he acquired. And, of course, you know, there's Bob Greasy. Well, 72, of course, we know they went 17-0. Undefeated. Only team ever in NFL history to go throughout the whole season and win the championship unscathed, right? They were 17-0. They were actually out underdogs, though, to Washington heading into Super Bowl seven of that season, that, uh, of that, that postseason. And they, I mean, of course they won it. Uh, the 73 team though, the next year was actually even better. I, I mean, it was kind of hard to, to fathom. They went through, it was what, they were 12 and two and their 18 game winning streak. They won the first week, but week two, guess who they lost to? Yeah, the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> they just wouldn't go away, right? They were going to win Super Bowl eight that year by defeating the Minnesota Vikings 24 to seven. They played them, what, down there in Rice Stadium in Houston, Texas. And they were the best team in football, period. Three straight Super Bowl appearances. Why not a fourth? Trying to win a third in a row, right? Dominant running game with Zonka and Kick and Mercury Morris. Uh, of course, what, 73, they had the first time ever you had 2,000-yard backs. And that was Zonka and Mercury Morris, who ran for 1,000 yards right on the nose, actually. Uh, passing attack that featured Greasy to Warfield, the no-name defense, you know, thanks to um, the hat, the man in the hat, Tom Landry. They're, bunch, they're just a bunch of guys with no name. That was a pretty good defense. They really were. And that defense gave up that season in 73 only 150 points and just five touchdown passes. They arguably had the best coach in football in Don Shula. What could stop it? The Bible says that money is the root of all evil, right? You know, maybe not necessarily in this case, as far as saying, you know, evil, that is. But sometimes you just got to get paid. And that did not help the Miami Dolphins. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nineteen seventy four. What were you doing in nineteen seventy four? Were you around yet? Nineteen seventy four. I wasn't. I wasn't born until August of nineteen seventy seven. But that that was a year that really it officially marked the end of one short dynasty, and it actually was the beginning of another. I think you already know what I'm talking about, but we'll get to that in a minute. There had been a player strike in the NFL in July of nineteen seventy four. Why? Well, I don't know if you how long you've been listening to this show, but there was a thing called the Roselle Rule. The Roselle Rule said that the commissioner would be the one to make a decision on compensation when a team lost a player. There were some owners out there that didn't like their guys going off and signing for someone, uh, signing with somebody else. They're losing a good player to another team, and they don't get any compensation for it. You know that. I understand that, uh, but if there was no agreement between the two squads, whether it be players or cash, you know, or draft picks, well, the commissioner made the call, and that limited player movement in that day, in that time, and so players didn't like not having freedom of movement, even in 1974. Okay, that wasn't. Just you know, you want may want to call them selfish or whatever, but who wants to be locked into a bad situation all the time? You go in and help the situation or try to help the situation as an athlete, but sometimes you can't fix it. <laughs> sometimes the people at the top are the ones that need to be fixed. The players can't always fix that. And look, I understand you may not even want to be in that city. Maybe you want to be somewhere else and you want to have that freedom of movement. That's what they wanted and that's what they fought for. Didn't get it, you know, at least not at the time. Um, but that was just one of, I think it was, what, 62 or 64? They put a number on it um, in an article that I read. I cannot remember what it was. I, I read it somewhere. That There were that many um, player requests or the things that they wanted changed when it came to the Players Association. And it didn't help at all. Well, the Dolphins, though, they had another problem. That was money. Now, according to Travis Pulver, of CelebrityNetWorth.com and I'm quoting in 1970 when the Players Association was first recognized a league minimum of $9,000 for rookies and $10,000 for veterans was established the average salary in 1975 was $56,000 players were vastly underpaid you know they just were Here's an example. Larry Zonka, one of the best running backs in football. Super Bowl VIII MVP. All-pro running back. We know that he ended up in the Hall of Fame. He was making about $55,000. That's under average. About a grand under average. And according to Mike Freeman, uh, most of the Dolphins stars at the time were making around $30,000 a season. This is why the NFL, and this is wow, the NFL, you know, they were always making big money. $200,000 for every 60-second commercial during the Super Bowl 
you know, the guys that are producing your product are not getting paid nearly enough. Yeah, you know, kind of think share the wealth. That was my first thought. Share it. You'll pay pay your players. They're the ones who's out there on the on the field and they're helping you to make this money. That's that's what it is. I think that's where you have to look at it. Yet another new professional football league would rival the NFL again. It didn't last long, but it happened again. You had what the first three incarnations of the the NFL, and of course you had the AAFC, and you know yet the now you have another one, the World Football League. They were willing to pay the players the big bucks. Larry Zonka, Paul Warfield, Jim Kick, Bob Kuchenberg, and cornerback Tim Foley, they signed future contracts with the new league for the upcoming 74-75 season. And this is them playing <laughs> through the 74 season and knowing that they're leaving. Imagine that locker room. Just think about that. They're leaving for big money. And I mean triple-digit money. They're signing contracts for triple-digit money. If the Dolphins weren't willing to pay it, somebody was going to pay it. This had to be known in the locker room even the day after the Super Bowl. They knew it was it, that was happening. After the Super Bowl eight win, as a matter of fact, linebacker Doug Swift, he spoke to three reporters and basically told them next year's team would have a lot of new faces on it. Why? Because their stars would be asking management for new contracts that they probably would not get. Swift was a profit. Now, unfortunately, the World Football League only lasted two seasons. I think 12 games into the second year, I think it was, they folded. Why? They couldn't pay those big contracts. They couldn't afford it. <laughs> it was too much money. So, but the game that made it actually official that the Dolphins dynasty, the short dynasty was over, was in the 1974 playoffs. A rematch of the previous year's AFC Championship game in which the Miami Dolphins had won 27-10. Anybody heard of the Sea of Hands game? Yes, the Sea of Hands game. That actually made it official. If you don't know about it, here it is. Now, Sports Illustrated called it Super Bowl 8.5. They were kind of overlooking everybody else, including the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, let's just be real, they hadn't proven themselves yet to be the great they weren't the great team yet of course this is 1974 so the Dolphins and the Raiders they were the favorites to win Super Bowl 9 Oakland had a 12-2 record the Dolphins were 11-3 uh I think about LeBron James you know for those who love him or hate him but of all the NBA finals in a row that his teams went to uh and not just LeBron just think about any any team in any sport where they are constantly in the championship game um, they're always in the finals or the Stanley Cup final. You know, if they're going years and years in a row or they're going deep into the playoffs, at least in the postseason. Doesn't matter what sport. That's a lot of miles on your legs. You keep playing that. I mean, that's why you're a professional. Yeah, but you're also human. <laughs> so eventually, you know, you may not be able to make it. You may not win it all the time. And... I guess this was the case. You have a lot of light, a lot of legs going to the championship game in any sport. You're playing more games than anybody else in the league. So, and that was the Miami Dolphins at the time. They were working on their fourth straight Super Bowl. Of course, this was the first round of the playoffs. 
and they were making looking to make that fourth one in a row but what i did not know is that since 1966 the raiders held a lifetime record of six one and one against the dolphins to that point and the dolphins had never won in oakland december 21st 1974 oakland alameda county coliseum miami dolphins being hosted by the raiders gene upshaw art shell jim otto all those hall of famers ken stabler fred Belitnikoff, skip thomas willie brown cliff branch phil villapiano otis sistrunk jack tatum all of these these great players these great raiders were on this team and they're one to this point just as many games as anybody just period going all the way back to about 66 67 but they had no championship to show for it themselves yeah they they made super bowl two but the packers who were at the end of their dynasty put it on them in that super bowl um but this time they were coached by john madden you know so not john roush and john madden had those boys ready but it was probably uh and it's inarguable one of the greatest games to ever be played back and forth game and it, it was it was just one a great one to watch but 35 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter the raiders are down 26 to 21. ken stabler he drops back and john vela the right tackle he doesn't do a really good job blocking one of their star defensive ends for the dolphins Ver, Vern danherter and he beats him beats him bad now remember this is a lefty quarterback stabler stabler has his back to dan herder and somehow some way he steps up in the pocket and i think he feels him a little bit and just as dan uh dan herder is wrapping his legs up and he's going down he kind of throws a ball right on point he can't find anybody first of all it, it, when he first drops back because his first option was supposed to be his tight end on the opposite side it wasn't dave casper it was a tight end delay call from where i read but he actually steps up in the pocket and right when dan herder wraps stable's legs and is taking him down stable whips a pass to the left side of the end zone where running back clarence davis catches a football and look this is a guy that's described as having the worst hands period he catches the football you know in the middle of four dolphins players and even the guy that was in uh coverage uh mike colin the ball hits his hand and it just i mean it just sticks to davis and davis also gets hit by defensive back charlie babb and then he has a late hit on him at the end Manny Fernandez and he falls in the end zone and that that was that was a touchdown. They would lead 28 to 26. They take a uh, take that lead and then there's still 24 seconds left on the clock. Miami had a shot to try and drive for a field goal, didn't happen. 13 seconds left, second down from the Dolphins 20. Bob Greasy, he gets picked off by Philip Piano and that pretty much was the game. With 12 seconds left to go. The Raiders actually ran the football twice. And look, I'm sure you heard that video. If you've seen the video and heard the audio, you've got Kurt Gowdy and Don Meredith. They're calling the play. And Gowdy's like, there he is, fading, looking, looking, looking. He's under the gun. He's caught. He throws it. It's touchdown. Unbelievable. Don Meredith, he caught it. Oh, he caught it. He caught it. They couldn't believe that he caught the ball. That's the one dude. 
that was thrown the football, Clarence Davis, that was not supposed to catch it. He was not supposed to catch that football, but he held on to it. Now, after the game, everybody in the Dolphin locker room is crying, including Don Shula, crying. They, I, I think, yes, they knew that it was it. That, that was it. They were losing a lot of their, their best players, their best, their starters. Yeah, they kept greasy, you know, but I mean, and, and a couple of guys on defense, but that was it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. go down the list of the great players that they had I had to find my list and you know you have to know okay so you know what happened to the players again that's part of the reason why I started this series in the first place not to concentrate so much on the dynasty the dominance part but what happened to them what happened to them so yeah guys all right so Nick Bonacani I think he eventually retired I think it was in 76 uh, also, Paul Warfield, of course, Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, Paul Warfield, you know, they all signed with the Memphis team of the World Football League, and they ended up coming back to the league. Warfield signed with his old team and uh, for his last two years of his career in 76 and 77 with the Cleveland Browns. Um, Bob Greasy, he played until 1980. He was actually forced into retirement himself. He had a shoulder injury, I think it was against the Baltimore Colts. And he never played again. So he was done. Um, guys like Jim Langer, he played. He ended up finishing his career with the Minnesota Vikings uh, in 80 and 81. So he stayed until, what, 79. Wayne Moore. These are the great linemen for the Miami Dolphins. Larry Little, he retired in 1980. Uh, Wayne Moore, he was done in 78. Norm Evans left in 75 and finished his career with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, from 76 to 78. Bob Kuchenberg was the guy that stayed the longest, looks like. Kuchenberg played, what, 15 years in the league? And remember, he was he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, and he quit during training camp <laughs> for Philly. And he ended up having to stay behind because his brother, he got on the phone with his brother, and his brother told him, you, you, you did what? You know, because his brother, Rudy uh, Kuchenberg, played with the uh, Chicago Bears. And he's like, no, you can't come home. <laughs> You're a quitter. You can't come home. And uh, Cooch said that he he signed on with this other semi-pro league in Chicago before finding a way to continue his career with the Miami Dolphins. Stayed with them 15 years and actually played on the other two Super Bowl teams, even though they lost those. He played on all those teams. Played that, that last one with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. He was on that team. Um uh, with the Miami team that lost to San Francisco in Super Bowl 19. Um, Vern Dan Herter on defense. Yeah, he retired in 82. Um, Mercury Morris, he was done with the Dolphins after 75, and he retired after playing one year with the San Diego Chargers in 76. Of course, in 82, 
year of the strike, he was convicted of cocaine trafficking. He served, what, three, three and a half years, over 20 years sentence. sentence. He pleaded no contest, and he was released, and he became uh, a great spokesman, uh, you know, and an advocate against drugs in Miami. So, uh, you know, the guy has a great story. Manny Fernandez, <laughs> number 75, retired after 1975. Bill Stanfield, a Pro Bowl linebacker, he retired after 76. Jake Scott, the safety, the great safety. Um, you think about Jake Scott and Dick Anderson. Jake Scott, he and Shula, they didn't get along very well. And, you know, eventually he was traded away. I'll just say that. He was traded away to guess who? To Washington. Uh, 76 through 78 is where he finished his career with them. Dick Anderson, he retired in 77, the year that I was born. Um, but the most interesting uh, outside of Zonka, Zonka, of course, he returned to the Dolphins in 1979 after a brief stint with the New York Giants from 76 to 78. Jim Kick, God, when I read this, I just felt terrible for this guy. Jim Kick, of course, you know, he lost his starting job to Murphy Morris. You know, if you don't know about uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, yeah. Jim Kick and Larry Zonka, they were thick. They, they were best friends. And um, uh, Jim Kick, man, I mean, he was he was good in his day, uh, but his career did not end on a great note. In 76 and 77, he ended up playing with the Denver Broncos. 77, the Broncos, they made it to the Super Bowl, but he was cut before that. He was cut. <laughs> and this, this, is, this is really sad, but the day that he was released... He went through a divorce with his wife and his house burned down the exact same day. Triple whammy. You get cut by, by you, you got cut by, by the team, your pro team, and you're, you're divorcing your wife and your house burned down. I may be missing something. I don't know with the house burning down, the divorce. And, let me shut up. But I'm just saying, I mean, that that's right there. That's tough, man. That's really tough. <laughs> so, but... Anyway, you know, you had all of these great players and you, you had some Hall of Famers and Bonacani and Zonka and Warfield and Greasy. And I believe uh, what Larry Little, Kuchenberg uh, make the Hall of Fame thing. He and Langer made the Hall of Fame. I can't remember. Um, it's just really off the top of my head. But I mean, they, they were great players. Um, when it comes down to it, there were some players in Baltimore that did not like Don Shula, for instance. And I'm sure the same could be said in Miami as well, but the man was respected. He was a great coach. Uh, and that's just based around Jake Scott. But the guy got got his thing, got, got everything done. And I haven't heard a bad word against him when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. Now, again, I'm not claiming to know anything. I have no idea. Um, but Don Shula, before he died, I know he, he as far as Miami was concerned, they loved it. Baltimore may not have been the same. <laughs> The same, but you can find that anywhere, not just in sports, but in life. But I can't speak to any of those play past players, alive or dead, uh, only to what I've seen and what I have heard. Uh, they love the man. They accomplished greatness with it. I know for a fact that Johnny Unitas couldn't stand the man. Uh, so, you know, but the Dolphins of the 80s, you know, they reached the Super Bowl those two more times with Don Shula, of course. They lost to Washington in Super Bowl 17. They lost to the uh the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 19. But he drafted a couple of those killer bees, the killer bees defense. Y'all remember that? Towards the end of the 70s, including guys like 
uh, A.J. Dewey and Kim Bocamper, Bob Baumhauer, and guys on offense he had brought in early like Nat Moore. Of course, Shula benefited the most from the Steelers passing on, you know, no pun intended, Dan Marino in 1983 along with everybody else and ended up with the Dolphins. He, he was the greatest quarterback ever, you know, for the Dolphins. Easy, all right? The 1984 team, they were the last ones to reach the Super Bowl. Don Shula only had a losing record twice with the Dolphins in 26 years. There's no argument that the 70s teams, they were the best that Miami ever had. In a nutshell, how did the 70s Dolphins break up? I mean, the labor strike, which led to three of the Dolphins' best players leaving the NFL to join the World Football League and the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> that made it official, sea of hands. Uh, you know, who themselves, the Oakland Raiders themselves, they were looking for their first title. Miami, like the Pittsburgh Steelers doing the 70s, were one of those teams in the Oakland Raiders' way. 74 was the beginning of the dynasty of the Steelers, and they dominated the, la the last six years of the 70s. As far as the Raiders not breaking through, it wouldn't last much longer. All right, that's it. References, thank you to OrlandoSentinel.com, an article by Matt Shudell. This was dated December 2nd, 1989. ProFootballHallOfFame.com and always reliable ProFootballReference.com. Also, Sports Illustrated, cold, hard football facts. Looking back at NFL Dynasty ending defeats. This is dated July 23rd, 2009. Also, CelebrityNetWorth.com. Uh, this is an article, March 10th, 2016, by Travis Pulver. Even in the 70s, the 1970s, the NFL commissioner was paid more than a lot of players. Yeah, that's the headline. Undefeated inside the Miami Dolphins' perfect season. Very good book. I got to finish that. This one written by Mike Freeman. Excuse me. Badasses. The legend of Snake Foo. Dr. Death and John Madden's Oakland Raiders. This book was written by Peter Richmond. Also, America's Game, the NFL at 100. Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams are the co-authors. That is it. This has been the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. Uh, this show is also a part of the Belly Up Sports podcast network. Also, go to bellyupsports.com. Click on it. Read the articles. Listen to the shows. Home base of Spreaker. Also, you can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and more. Also, iHeartRadio and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show. I do work for FedEx. I will find your house. I'm out. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.